Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Deep Discussions podcast, Revert Reflections. I'm your host, Rosalind. In these episodes, we discuss various aspects of a revert's journey, from life before Islam, the journey of discovering Islam and life now as a revert Muslim. This will include struggles, successes, bloopers and hindsight wisdom. Inshallah. You are listening to the Deep Discussions podcast episode 6 with our fortnightly revert reflections. You can catch up on past episodes of the Deep Discussions podcast. We are on all the major podcast platforms. Remember to subscribe and be the first to know when a new episode is released, inshallah. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Deep Discussions Podcast. My guest today reverted to Islam in 1983. She is the mother to five children. She's a qualified naturopath, aromatherapist and massage therapist, and she is the founder of Sakina's Wellbeing. Her passion lies in helping women help themselves. You may know her as Susan. Salam alaikum and welcome to the show, Sister Sakina Carter. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here today and I can't wait to hear about your story, inshallah. Inshallah. But before we get into it, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Okay, so I am Sakina. I'm uh, 58 years old. I'm an Australian revert of 38 years. Um, Alhamdulillah, I became Muslim many, many, many years ago when I lived in Melbourne when things were very different for Muslims. Um, But, yeah, it was the best thing, obviously, I've ever done in my life and that has, you know, affected a lot of my family and friends who have also become Muslim, so that's always nice. I really appreciated that. Um, Okay, yes, so these days I'm a qualified naturopath I'm a qualified aromatherapist and I'm a qualified massage therapist. I also work with nutrition. So a lot of people don't know what a naturopath is. Um, I have people who come to see me and then I help them basically help their body recover and get well again. And I use herbs, I use supplements, I use diet and lifestyle. Um, we look at a lot of different issues, um, thyroid and gut health and mental health um pregnancy um all these types of things so i work uh from my own clinic i'm in my clinic at the moment um and i work three days a week and i i try to uh, concentrate more on women because they're the ones i really want to help because we as women run ourselves ragged before we try and think about ourselves and that's that's my clientele i see women who are at their end they haven't looked after themselves even when it comes to eating properly, sometimes they don't even do that well. You know, they feed the kids, feed the husband, you know, they'll eat later. Yeah. So, you know, this is the type of women that I see and I love when they contact me, you know, after a month or so and they say, Sakina, I'm feeling fabulous, you know, and that to me, and, and I see it all the time and that's what makes me um, study more and take on new training and that's what I'm happy doing, you know, that's what I really love doing. So, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm Sakina's Wellbeing. Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram, but my website will be up and running very shortly. Um, I'll be having uh, essential oil blends that I'll be making for different, so therapeutic essential oil blends, so like for a pain blend, um, an anti-stretch mark blend. Uh, I specialise in blends for children, 
you know, sleepy blend for babies, or you can just come and see me and I'll make your blend that you need. And that's all based on, um, you know, like I understand the chemicals and, uh, you know, like uh, it's a proper consultation. Um, hopefully I will be running workshops um, in the near future. So that's an up, up and coming thing that I'm hoping to do as well. So not just, you know, giving people things to use, it'll be educating as well. Yes, what do I do? Well, I've, I lived in Melbourne. I was born in Melbourne, I'm born on the beach, you know, grew up the little surfy girl, I guess you could say. So, um, yeah, very normal Aussie lifestyle. My parents were uh, Scottish-British, so I've got that sort of um, Anglo background. Um, you know, went to Catholic school, was a good Catholic girl, uh, went to Catholic high school, um yeah and then sort of everything my, my mother passed away actually when I was very young so I was about 12 years old so I think everything changed after that which is a good thing because it led me to becoming a Muslim and, and that's the best thing but I you know went through really sort of a tough time sort of from about 14 up to about 21 when I found Islam so that was really you know but alhamdulillah that's all what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and, you know, I saw a lot of different things in my life. So, um, you know, I really appreciate all that as well in my lifestyle or my life history. Um, and then, yeah, became Muslim and, uh, yeah, everything's been, you know, wonderful since then. Alhamdulillah. Now, you mentioned you have family and friends that also became Muslim. So we'll get back to that, inshallah. Yes. I'm very interested to know, um, did you know uh, before you became Muslim, did you have any encounters with um, Muslim people? Did you know anything about Islam? Because you mentioned that you were raised as a Catholic yes. when you went to raised, Yeah, very strict Catholic. Um, I knew nothing, absolute. I knew in one class in geography in year eight, I remember learning about Africa or somewhere, and they were saying that Muslims went to the toilet and used their left hand, and that was it. That was my understanding of Islam. I had no idea, nothing at all. So, yeah, I was very um, naive to say about other religions. However, I remember when I was about, how old was I? I was about 17 or 18. I did start looking into all the other religions and I read deeply into other religions. But actually I don't think I did read, read into Islam. I read about Buddha, Buddhism and uh, Hinduism and Judaism. I don't know why I didn't get to Islam, but I don't think I, I, don't, I don't remember reading about it. But um, I then did change and change the area I lived in and then became, um, uh, I saw a lot of Muslims, but they weren't practicing Muslims. So they, they were the type of Muslims that were just um, fasting Ramadan and, you know, would wear Allah around their neck and, and, you know, Bismillah and Alhamdulillah and all that kind of stuff, but nothing much more. So yeah. that's sort of what I was, um, you know, uh, seeing in my life in my life at that point. That was about probably when I was about 19, 20. So that's sort of what I saw. I saw that they had a hidden set of rules that they followed, but I didn't know what they were. But, you know, they'd be, no, 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 we can't drink alcohol, and, but yet they do other things. So it was, it was interesting to see. I didn't see any proper practising Muslims, I, I can say that okay. at that time. <laughs> Inshallah, maybe those people are practising now. So, you know, um, who's to say? So how did you find Islam? 
Okay, so I was uh, mixing with these people who were this, you know, non-practising type of Muslims, and I was very interested in, you know, this set of rules that they had that they followed because I remember being a good Catholic and I remember thinking, you know, I've got these rules to follow and I have to follow them and um, it didn't really ever make sense to me, the rules that they were giving me because they could never answer my questions, you know, specifically the Trinity, you know. But I would also... I loved about Islam and what I saw, their rules came into their life, like everyday life, whereas Catholic rules didn't. It was just in church and how you prayed, basically that and, you know, being a good girl and all that kind of stuff, but not really everyday life. So I saw that and that attracted me and I was very interested. So um, my future husband I met and... Um, he was a chef and he used to cook at a like a coffee lounge where I used to go and have coffee. And every time I'd walk in, he'd give me food. And I'd be like, okay, so this is the typical, you know, food to the way of the heart, but it was the other way around. <laughs> so he, he would, I don't know, thought I was skinny or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but he would offer me food every time I came in. The food was amazing. It was a Lebanese guy, he's a Lebanese chef. So the food was outstanding, you know. So that is sort of how I became interested in him. And then I started asking him more about Islam and, and he told me and um, we got married, but I was still Catholic at that point. But then I said to him, I want to I read the Quran because I was very interested in, you know, obviously we're going to have children. We had to realise what we were going to grow them up as. And so he went and got the Quran for me and I started reading it and, and that was my um, pathway to, be, to accepting Islam after I read um, uh, Surah, Al uh, Surah uh, Imran, the story of um, Isa, alayhi salam. And uh, that was very beautiful for me, that story, and, you know, had a big effect on what I had been taught as a Catholic about the story of Isa, you know, being put on the cross and um, I remember that story very clearly because uh, I remember when I was in year one and the teacher was reading us that story and telling us the story, you know, Isa went into the garden and he was praying to his father, to, to God, you know, that was saying his father. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, wow, if that's me, I'm going to pray to my dad. He's going to save me. So, of course, God is going to save Jesus because God can do anything, yeah. you know, and I was waiting for them to say, and, yes, he got saved, and then, when they said to me, no, he got put on the cross, I was, like, devastated. And I thought, why? You know, God can do everything. Why, if that's his if that's his dad, why did he let him die? I just couldn't get over that fact. So yeah. when I read the story of Isa in the Quran, my heart went back to that day wow. and I was like, subhanAllah, this. And I, I didn't do the shahada then because I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> but at that point I became Muslim. And prior to that reading Quran, I was very defensive. I was like, mm, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. But at that point, <laughs> I was like, no, alhamdulillah, this is this is the truth. And my heart, you know, just knew it. There was no other, there was no other way of um, there was no denying after that. So yeah. yeah. So from from the point, so you've asked your husband for the Quran. Yes. You're not Muslim at this point. That's right. Um, and your intention was to learn more about Islam for the sake of for the sake of your, uh, your yeah. children, inshallah. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to accept. I just wanted to understand. Yeah. So you were doing it more for them, and yeah. you know. Okay. So 
you when you started reading the Quran, I'm assuming that it was just a, um, like a translation of the Quran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, did, what did you notice reading about, um, because um, as a Catholic, there's, you know, a huge emphasis on the Old Testament, mm. you know, Bible stories of, you know, past prophets. Yes. Um, did you notice similarities? Did you yeah. able to connect? Yeah, there were some things that I went, okay, yeah, that's okay, tick. Yeah. <laughs> and there was other things, no, cross. Yeah. And I was very defensive in the beginning. Yeah. And I can honestly say it wasn't until I read the story of Isa that I accepted it and went, yeah, this is true. And then after that I had no problem reading any of it. It just was, yeah, I've been told a lie beforehand and this is the truth. So it was just like going from black to white for me uh, so that transition yeah. was quite easy yeah it was n- there was no looking back after that like my heart told me and I believed that 100 percent. and there was there never has been any looking back after that you know humdada yeah. and how long did that process take was it a week instant instant so um, as in from when you got the quran to when you no 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 off oh, okay so it was probably a couple of weeks reading yeah. maybe a week it wasn't very long but yeah. as soon as I read the story of Isa, it was instant. Yeah, mashallah. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So at that point, who, who in your family, your family, so you'd obviously, you'd married a Muslim guy. So, yeah. you know, your family, were they? Um, so my family, my mother had passed away, but oh, my no. dad had remarried and they'd moved to Queensland. So I was in Melbourne. Yeah. And I didn't really have much contact with them because it wasn't, you know, things, you know, life, history, whatever. But my dad was sort of okay with me, but he was very upset with me when I became Muslim. He was, you know, you've sold your heritage and all the rest of it. So he was very upset. Um, she didn't, I didn't really care what she thought because, you know, I didn't care what she thought. But my father, I did, I was concerned. I tried to convince him. And I think over the years I probably convinced him, but he never really acknowledged very much that he was happy with me being Muslim. But I think deep down he he must have been, you know, because what I was before and what I am now, like my lifestyle as an Australian, um, you know, it's I grew up as an Australian, going to the pub, going to the beach. That was a lifestyle. How can you be happy with that for your daughter? When you then you see your daughter growing up her children beautifully, you know, covering themselves, being modest, all those beautiful things. I mean, he might have been saying I'm not happy you're Muslim, but I know at the end of the day, he, I know, I'm a mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How can you not? It's so, happy with the changes, at least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he would acknowledge that if hmm. himself. Yeah. Not you. Okay. Yep. Um, you mentioned that you have family and friends that have also now reverted to Islam. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes. So my sister uh, reverted before I did. So um I married, we married brothers. Okay. So um, she reverted shortly before I did while I was still thinking about it. And then I did. So that was really good. So all her five children are Muslims. Yeah. Um, they've all married uh, Muslims, which is good. So then they've got all their offspring are now Muslim. Yeah. Um, myself, my children, my oldest son married a Greek revert who's a beautiful girl. Love her dearly. She knows that. <laughs> and then her sister and her best friend became Muslim. Oh, so her cool. sister then married a Muslim. So then her children are all Muslim. And her friend married a Muslim. 
and uh, inshallah she'll have many children in the future oh mashallah so, yes yes um who else has become is there any other people i'm trying to think um there probably are that i don't know of but they're the ones that are you know the ones that i've been i've witnessed that they've done their shahada and helped them to become muslim so that's really good okay so your sister being a revert as well yes was that helpful having her around or did you help each other yeah, or? yeah it was good we were both um experiencing the same issues at the time I mean, we're talking, you know, 38 years ago when it was really hard to find a nice scarf. Yes. And of course, we're women, we wanted to look nice, you know. Of course. Um, and, yeah, all the problems that sort of uh, came up with that. I mean, obviously our dad was doubly disappointed because we're yeah. both. We yeah. were the tiny children. So he was like, yeah, that's it. My, you know, he wasn't practising. He was um, Church of England. Yeah, so, you know, he was Church of England, but you were raised Catholic because my mum was Catholic. Okay, yes, but my mum had more uh, strength in what we were going to be, so yeah. we went to Catholic school okay. because that's what she wanted. Yeah. How did you tell your dad? Um, to to be honest with you, I can't remember. It wasn't a big thing. Um, did I put? I didn't put a hijab on immediately because of the people I was mixing with. So it was just. Allah around my neck and I thought that was it and I didn't even start praying at that point I didn't know I didn't even have take shahada when I had that point yeah and then later on I got told you have to do your shahada so I went to the mosque and I spoke to the sheikh and he gave me a Quran and he gave me the halal haram book and I did halal my haram. Haram. Wow. <laughs> halal haram. an old one <laughs> Yeah, it was the because there wasn't a lot around in those days, you know, yeah. English especially. Um, so then uh, he gave me my Islamic name, Sakina. So I was very happy with that. So that so that you didn't choose that name; it was given to you. No, yeah, I asked him. I said I'd uh, like an, an Islamic name, and he gave me Sakina. But because I was married into Arab. They said, oh, look, Sakin means knife, you know, don't use that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was a bit, okay, not sure about it, you know. Yeah. So I didn't adopt that name. I kept my old name. Yeah. And um, later on when I realised the real meaning of it, I went and changed my name by deep hole and I was, I don't care what it sounds like, I know what it means. Yeah, what it, does it mean? What does It, it means mean? uh, the tranquility that descends when you're in a group and you're discussing Allah. So Sakina and Rahma is the tranquility and mercy that descends to on a group of people that are discussing Allah or, you know, making dhikr or reciting Quran or something like that. So the meaning is absolutely beautiful, you know, and I just thought I don't care what people might think. Yeah. I know what it means, and I'll educate people with that's what it right. means. That's right. That's right. MashaAllah. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful story. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, were you... So you asked for the name. Was it something you said that was something that you wanted? I wanted a Muslim name, but he gave me Sakina. I didn't yeah. know that name before. Yeah. So yeah, he gave me Sakina. And it took probably a year or two before I adopted it. Yep. Um, and that was in my because I started studying after that. I started um, started trying to learn. Yeah. Um, there was probably a period of three or four years before maybe a bit longer it was when my daughter started school so before she started school my eldest daughter I thought there's no way I can send my daughter to a Muslim school and she knows more than me so 
that really, you know, motivated me to go and learn. Good motivation. Yeah, and yeah. I have to keep ahead of her, you know. Yeah. So I went and learned how to read Quran and um, attended, you know, different meetings and whatever and started reading, started buying books. Yeah. So that was my, my education that I sort of went along. Um, yeah. Your own type of research. And yeah. it, was, it wasn't... At this point, because you'd already accepted Islam, it was to learn more about Islam, not so much to yeah. research about Islam. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. Can you tell me about your hijab? So you didn't put it on straight away? No, no. And, again, it was when my daughter went to school. So at the Islamic school they said, if you want to come on the grounds, you have to wear hijab. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went and got a hijab and I would put it on, drive her to school, walk into the school, drop her off, and then I'd walk out and I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Should I take it off straight away? Should I take it off in the car? Should I take it off when I get home? I feel like such a hypocrite. <laughs> and I'm like, what if someone sees me taking off? That's really bad. And then what if I drive home and take it off? That's really hypocritical. So it made me really, really think about what I wanted to do. So I put it on, but in the beginning, of course, because I didn't know very much, I'd be wearing a dress with short sleeves and just below my ankle, my knees and have a hijab on, you know, thinking yeah. that was all that was needed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the sisters at the school said, you know, pulled me aside very nicely, I might add, and said, sister, you know, you really need to cover your arms and <laughs> you really need to cover your legs. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So that was a transition to wearing hijab and um, covering myself. And I felt beautiful. And I must say that the day I put hijab on, I was like, wow. I looked at myself and I was like, you know, like I thought I looked beautiful. I really, yeah, I loved what I saw. So, yeah, I was very happy with hijab and I've never, never, ever looked back, you know, with um, wearing hijab. And later on, I put niqab on. I wore niqab for 15 years, yeah. loved every minute of it, you know. I don't wear it now. Um, I think it's, you know, sort of age-related these days. But, um, yeah, I respect the women who do, you know. It can be difficult for some, but, you know, they persevere. But even hijab itself can be difficult for some as well. But I personally don't find it difficult at all. When you say age-related, do you mean... I started going through menopause and then I was getting the hot flushes and I couldn't breathe and all yep. those types of things were happening to me. Yep. So I took it off and then, yeah, I just I didn't come around to putting it back on again. Can you tell me about the hardships that you went through? So whether it was um, hardships letting people know, hardships maybe visibly being Muslim, your mm. friends. Okay, yeah. the only real hardship I had was... Um, the issues it caused with my father because he was very anti-Muslim and really upset with me that I'd become Muslim. And, um, yeah, that, that was hard because he was in uh, far north Queensland and, you know, that, that was a bit harsh for me. Um, I don't think I've had any other hardships really. I mean, obviously on hot days it's hard, but alhamdulillah, that doesn't bother me. It's not... Um, something that would make me think, you know, I want to take my hijab off or anything like that. Um, I guess um, probably backlash from the Kafir community or the non-Muslim community, sometimes that can be an issue. Uh, 
probably more so when I was wearing niqab. But in saying that, I would just speak and my voice is so Aussie that, you know, they would, whatever I was going to get, I didn't get because I would just say, yeah, you know, how are you? And I was, you know, I mean, there was obviously times when it wasn't pleasant, but, you know, I would just remove myself from that situation and, you know, so those times weren't nice. Um, I don't think there's been any real hardships that, you know, present as hardships because even if I wasn't Muslim, I'd still have hardships. That's true. You know, the hardships are all worth it, in my opinion. What about any hardships being a revert and having expectations? Yeah, yeah. I think in the beginning, when I was when I first became Muslim, um, Ramadan was very sad for me because there wasn't anybody. Uh, I should mention that my husband passed away um, when I was uh, just before, actually, around the time I really started practicing. Yeah. So he passed away. So that was a big hardship in itself. So I started practicing, but there was no community there for me. So that was really hard. Um, Ramadan was hard on my own with little kids, you know, trying to tell them, no, you can't have a birthday because you had one last year, but you can't have one this year because yeah. I still did all that, you know. My husband yeah. still did that. So yeah. I, I didn't realise. But then as things went on, I sort of, you know, um, became more practising and, and, you know, I, I guess it was hard for the kids. But now that I, they're all grown up and married, so they're all, you know, thankful that I did do that. But at the time it was a bit hard for me you know, and I would do something different for them, you know, I'd pick another day and let's do something nice for you. Tell me what you want me to cook for you. I'll make you a cake. He's, you know, I used to buy them presents anyway, so they didn't miss out. Yeah. This wasn't a birthday or a Christmas, you know. Yeah. And Eid was Eid was actually very sad because I, I never even went to pray Eid prayer for many years because I just didn't realise and I, it was too scary to go to the mosque with all my kids and not know what I was walking into and, so we just didn't do it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, don't know I met some nice sisters later on. Um, one of them recently passed away and she had a really good effect on me and my kids and her and her husband really helped me. And inshallah, if they listen to this, you know, well, if her husband listens to this and the kids, you know, and jazakallah khair, they were really there for me. So alhamdulillah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, you know, my... my um, my network, my social network grew, and as that did, it became easier. So that was good. But yeah, very hard. No husband, five kids, or four kids at that point, um, and a new Musa revert was quite hard. Yeah, I'm Yeah. Um, um, when your husband passed away, yes, you had four children. I had four children. Yes, so I remarried after that, and I had one more child. Yep. And um, yes, yeah, so he was my youngest. Um, he passed away a few years ago, four years ago maybe. So that was a very, very hard time for me. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, that's what Allah tests us with. And, yes, so, yeah, we all get tested. That's that's um, something actually I have noticed with reverts that I've seen, that when they first become Muslim, they will have a massive test. And I've seen it over and over and over again, even for myself. Um, my husband passed away when I really started practicing like I consider my even though I became Muslim when I was about 21 I probably didn't start practicing until four or five years after that and that's when I sort of consider myself to be I became a Muslim then and um, then I was tested with his death and you know everything else that came after that so Hmm. 
When you're surrounded by Muslims, like during Ramadan, it, you know, it's helpful to be, you know, fasting with, you know, like-minded people. Anything that you do with like-minded people is, you know, so much easier. But as yeah. a revert, you don't have that natural family support. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it can be extra difficult. Yeah. Do you have, because um, you did mention that there was a family that helped you through, was there, you know, particular people that, that, um helped you through your journey at certain points? Yes, definitely. I mean, that family that I mentioned, there was also another family that were very close. And they said to me, um, they came to meet me after my husband had died because they'd heard that there was a sister who had four kids and um, I was pregnant with my fourth daughter and they'd heard about me, so they came to visit me. And they said to me, oh, we heard that you're, you know, you've just lost your husband. And, yeah, I said, well, alhamdulillah, you know, that's what Allah's given me. And they said to me later on, after I had said that, that was what made them think we have to help this sister. You know, she really needs help. So they put a lot of effort into helping me. And um, I think as the kids went to school, that was a really good network for me as well. I mean, you know, if... If that had happened, I probably would have just stayed on my own and been alone on my own because I'm not, I'm not that outgoing person that, you know, craves or, or even puts a lot of effort into going and meeting people. Yeah. I'm happy with my own company, alhamdulillah. Um, but, yeah, I did meet some very good practising people and that's what made me um, really start learning properly and, and moving forward, yeah. Are you based in Melbourne now? No, no, I got married. I got married and I moved to Sydney. So I've been in Sydney for the last 22 years. 22 years. So once I came to Sydney, that was really good because then I started going to classes and uh, there's a really big network of uh, revert sisters here. So that was really good. You know, the networking here, I, I don't know whether it was just time, but the revert network here in Sydney is really, really good. There's lots and lots of classes and there's a lot of help for sisters. So, yeah, I got amongst some really good sisters and I've never looked back. I've got, you know, I've got a group of sisters. We call ourselves the elders because we've been around for so long. Oh, <laughs> like four or five of us and you girls know who you are. <laughs> I'm talking to them. <laughs> but, yeah, gonna... we, we love each other. Oh, no, that's beautiful. Oh, there's some good sisters that I mix with and, you know, they're all reverts like me. I've, I've got some good uh, non-revert friends as well yeah. but the reverts we've been friends for many many years and we love each other yeah mashallah so you mentioned before when you put the hijab on so now I'm turning my attention to funny moments yeah. you mentioned when you first put the hijab on your version of hijab was just you know cover the hair and even though your arms are exposed your legs are exposed yes. were there any other moments like that that you know you felt looking back that were you know uh funny moments in the sense yeah, that it's not I suppose I, I always and I have learned through the past never put your cap on when you're in the house because the likelihood of you walking outside with just your cap on is like about 90 percent and I, I even did that with niqab I had my cap on and I put my niqab on and I went out and I'm feeling this breeze around my neck and I'm what is going on and I realized I had my cap and my niqab on and I'm like oh my goodness so that's a common one for me just to put the cap on and forget you haven't got the hijab on and off you go 
I've only got to the car and then got back. I'm yeah. Other than that, but that's I think very common. So yeah, I think they're the worst things. Um, I don't think I've had any other miss. I've I've had my uh, when I wore the uh, the shorter hijab. I've had the wind blow it off. I've had that happen. So then that made me change my style. Wow. So I went for something with sleeves in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't think I, I like. I know a lot of other sisters who have had really bad mishaps, but alhamdulillah, not me. I have. I've been okay. I've been pretty safe. <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. All right. So just to um, cap off our beautiful deep discussion about becoming a revert, I'm going to ask you three questions. So the first question is just going to be a random question from the deep discussions card set. Yep. So Sakina. The biggest problem with the world today is? Oh, it's not just that it's one. There's not one. There's lots, you know. But I think, I don't know, the biggest problem. People have no empathy anymore. That's what I see a lot. And we see it as Muslims, not not so much as Muslims. If we're looking in a non-Muslim arena, it's horrific the non-empathy you know I mean look at Donald Trump for a start you know and um can I say that <laughs> we don't have to delete that but anyway he does he has no empathy um I don't care I'm saying that but um yeah Muslims I don't I don't totally I don't, I don't put that out there as for Muslims um I I also think that the problem with the Muslims is too much technology and I think we're overwhelmed as much as it's a good thing and we learn and we um, we get a lot of benefit from that. There's a lot of problems with that as well. Because sometimes we're just, your brain is just too full to take on anything else. And sometimes it's just that simple little thing that you need to hear or read that can turn your brain around. Like if you're struggling or you're a bit low, you might just need to read that really short little two-sentence hadith that really brings you back to, on track. And sometimes you're just bombarded with pages and pages and pa- like Instagram and Facebook and it's just be- it can become so overwhelming. So as much as it's good, it can be bad as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, my next question is, what do you feel people need to have more deep discussions about? Okay. Um, I don't know, because I think that varies for each person. Um, I don't know, because there's so much stuff out there. Um if you want to have a deep discussion, you can find that deep discussion. And I think that is a personal thing. You know, for me, what do I need for deep discussions about this? There's so much stuff. Um, obviously, I don't know, how can we bring Islam back to ourselves, I guess, because there's just so much stuff out there, it's overwhelming. I think that's the biggest problem, that people need to really just get back to themselves. And I can say that because I know in the times of my life when things have changed, it's been where I feel like everybody has left me and I feel totally abandoned, but I still have Allah there. And that's the times when I can go, okay, all right, let's set up a proper uh, forward track and I get myself really back on track, you know. So that's... I don't like to be overwhelmed and I think that's what happens to a lot of people. So I think coming back to yourself and what you need and what your path is, that's the best thing. So that, that would be my answer for that question. <laughs> Very well said. Okay, and then for the last question, 
if you could go back and give your newly reverted self any words of advice, what would you say? Okay, I did think about this for quite some time. So I don't think I would give myself any advice because I'm happy with everything good and bad that happened to me. You know, alhamdulillah, it was struggles, yes, but it made me what I am today and I know that's what Allah has written for me, so I have absolutely no regrets. I, I don't know, I don't even think I would have told myself anything. Um, I don't think it would change anything, really. I wouldn't give myself any advice. I'd probably pat myself on the back. Wow, well done. <laughs> well done and said with such conviction. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for being with us today, Sakina. I really enjoy your journey. No worries, darling. All the All best. Right. And to you too. Thank you so much for doing this. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam rahmatullah. Take care, darling. You too. The Deep Discussions podcast is powered by Developing Diamonds, which was founded by Sister Kalisha Bennett. Be sure to keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, or via the website developingdiamonds.com.au. Until next time, don't forget to unplug and reconnect by having a deep discussion.